You're listening to DraftKings Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Coming up on today's show. It's Joe's birthday and a New York reporter calls out Jamal Adams and let's just say things get yikes. Things also got heated in the 49ers versus Eagles game, and the 49ers might be the scariest team in the NFL right now. We also talk a lot of college football, like did the NCAA make the right calls for the college football playoffs? All of this and, of course, much, much more on a highly controversial and emotional episode of The Tomahawk Show. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Me play football? Now, most of you have been playing this game for 10 years. You got two more quarters, and after that, most of you will never play this game again. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Football's fun. Fun, sir. Fun, sir. It's fun. You sure? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the world famous Tomahawk Show. I am your host, Andrew Hawkins, former NFL wide receiver and current media analyst. I am joined, as always, by Hall of Fame football player Joe Hayden Thomas. As always, this show is brought to you by the good folks at the DraftKings Network and Metal Arc Media. We are also joined by my dog, Juju Gotti. The J in Juju stands for jerseys. Uh, and also the first lady <laughs> of the Tomahawk Show, Miss Fat Nat, three T's and a PH, if you're new to the scene. How is everybody doing today? Let's start with Joe, of course, because he has to make everything about him. So I don't want to make him mad to start the show. Yeah, I'm appreciating that we're keeping things the same as usual. Yeah. And uh, just like normal, I'm doing poorly because the Browns lost again. No, I'm just kidding. It's actually my birthday today. Uh, so hey. in spite of the Browns loss uh, yesterday, we're recording on a Monday. Um, I'm having a great day so far. It's been just peachy and it's even better when I get to spend it with you guys. Look, there's no better way to spend your birthday, number one. Um, number two, why do I feel like your birthday is on July 3rd? That's a great question. I'll tell you why. Because July 3rd is actually National Joe Thomas Day because it's uh, 73. And so in Ohio, I don't know if it was right. a, a congressional uh, dissertation or uh, whatever, but I think they made that National Joe Thomas Day. So every July 3rd, the Browns always post like, hey, happy Joe Thomas Day, gotcha. uh, which I'm happy to celebrate because I'm a big July 4th guy, like to drink beer and eat barbecue. <laughs> and so I get to do it two days in a row, you know, celebrate myself and then celebrate America the next day. You know, you're winning at life when you have multiple birthdays, basically, where you just have multiple <laughs> days throughout the calendar year that people get confused of how many times to actually celebrate you. That's how Mom, you know you're you doing have a, good. You have your own day. 
I do have my own day. Um, it's not as significant as Joe's because now that I think about it, obviously seven three is Joe Thomas day. He's number seventy three. Mine is on ten twenty. I think it was like they didn't have anything on that day in my hometown, so they were like, "Hey, you want a day?" And I'm like, "Cool." My uh, older brother, who also played in the NFL, is always jealous of that because he never got his own day. Mm-hmm. So that that does give me a a, a little little leg up. Uh, Juju, you're rocking the C.J. Stroud jersey today. Yeah, uh, good observation. Yeah, so uh, my, daddy's, my daddy's birthday is uh, seven three. My daddy's birthday July third, oh. so maybe next uh, Joe Thomas Day we could throw a couple things on the grill, man. There you go. I love it. I love it. We'll have to fly down to Atlanta and we can celebrate together. I'm assuming your dad lives in Atlanta, maybe, but uh, I'd love to throw some stuff on the grill and hang out with the Gotties. Hell yeah, salute. <laughs> Throw some stuff on the grill and hang out with the Gotties is a is a crazy <laughs> quote that we can probably clip and just throw on social media. Should be a shirt. So I should have followed up C, uh, CJ Juju with the CJ. Are you a bandwagon fan? Uh, nah, I just don't. I Feels don't like succumb it. to it. No, no, no. I like the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are my teams. Regardless, because okay. we have one person convenient. making out of our, I mean, look, if you've, been, <laughs> if you've been following the show that I be on called the Dan Levitard Show with Stu Gotch for a couple of years, these Familiar. are facts and etched in stone already. Okay, my bad. But uh, it's a guy from our city. Uh, his name is Leotis McKelvin. He's the only person that made it out. He played mm. for the Bills and he played for the Eagles. And I'm from the country, country, country. country. I'm not from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm from a place called Google it. But you know what I mean? <laughs> you Google it? Person that, yeah, he was the only person that made it. So I just grew up liking those two teams. You did. I love that. All right. Troy Troy University, Leotis. I remember I remember Troy and I remember him going to Buffalo as well. We also got Fat Nat. Fat Nat, you are from the Bay, but also convenient. Your favorite teams are the Warriors and the 49ers. How are you doing today, Nat? I mean, I'm doing great. Sorry for your loss, Juju. Also, happy birthday, Joe. Oh, my God. Uh, Thank you. December, December babies unite. I love it. Let's um, go. So, yeah, no, I'm doing great. Fresh off a nice win, which I'm sure we'll get into. But we, I'm doing We absolutely will. Um, we're not going to start there, though. We're going to start with a little bit of a discussion uh, around something that happened on social media and it was around Jamal Adams. Now, let me give you some back background. So Jamal Adams, the safety for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, he was involved in a back and forth with a reporter named Connor Hughes last Thursday because after the game, Hughes tweeted a picture or a, a video of a play of Jamal Adams getting beat, and he just captioned it, yikes, right? And then so in response to that, Jamal Adams then quote tweeted his quote of yikes with a picture of what seemed to be Connor Hughes' wife and him. And then he put yikes as to what seemed to insinuate like, well, then yikes at what you have going on. And it it blew the sports world up. People were coming at Jamal like crazy, like, yo, this is this is low. This is personal. And it did spark a conversation in my own brain um, because I'm a lunatic, but also mm. because I'm like, wow, I, I was, I was, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was a little shocked by how surprised everybody else was that Jamal did this. So I want to kick it to the the panel here. Thoughts. Well, I think this is what happens when you go and you try to wrestle with pigs. Like you end mm. up both getting dirty and then nobody can tell who the pig is and who the human is. And that's exactly what happens when reporters throw stuff out there, or especially in the era now of social media, 
um, it's really easy for a reporter or a beat writer or just somebody that's out there on the peripheral of the media that is going to throw some content out there. They're going to be a little bit explosive, right? They're going to try to get those clicks. And in this case, um, Connor Hughes works for a New York media station that used to cover the Jets or covers the Jets, who is the team that um, Adams used to play for. And uh -huh. he got booted out of there. He got traded because he wasn't very effective. So obviously he's placating his fan base. He's playing to that base a little bit uh, by torturing Adams uh, because okay. you know, he knows that Jets fans probably don't like him very much. Right. Yep. <laughs> but when Jamal Adams takes the bait, like he gets exactly what the reporter wants, which is he's first of all, boosting his post and his, he's highlighting the fact that this reporter who probably none of us had ever heard of before then now we're going to be talking about it on every Monday morning show. Um, but then you're going to highlight the fact that earlier in the game, you were talking trash to Jake Ferguson and you kind of started a little stuff. You stirred up the pot a little bit and then you got roasted at the end of the game. And so all you do when you try to pick a fight with a reporter is you end up highlighting the fact that, yeah, you did screw up and you weren't able to cash the check that your butt wrote. And you just look bad, especially when you make it personal like that. Now I get it. If you say yikes as a reporter of, of a play, that's not being very specific. Like you want to criticize the performance, not the player. And that just seems like he's doing it for clicks. But if Jamal Adams just let it go, nobody would have noticed it. It would not have been a big deal. But to go after somebody's family, I think to me, it's crossing the line. Okay, so you're 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 with you're of the uh, opinion that it was crossing the line to then pull in, you know, something that somebody else, someone that someone else cares about, into a conversation that seemed like it was at least rooted in football. Fat, I want to get your perspective here. What are your thoughts? I mean, I agree. I think that it was too low, like bringing in someone's significant other or kids or family. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the reason for that? Like, you're really that offended that he just said yikes to a play that you messed up on. Like mm -hmm. you that you didn't you weren't doing well. Like he said, yikes, he didn't even break down anything in that. He just said, yikes, like if you're getting that mad about something so simple and it's a reporter, like you should be used to getting criticized. Like, I just don't see the reason to bring in someone's significant other or family. I think, I think he crossed the line too. I agree. I mean, you could go at him all you want, criticize Connor or what was his name? Yeah. Um, mm. criticize him, you know, go at him, go at his looks, whatever, like that's still messed up, but like, you don't need to bring in a significant other or children or family. We got two votes for, for crossing the line. Juju, what do you got? I deal with a lot of just Random people online always talking stuff because they don't like Dan or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they call me the most racist things. They mm. they go out of their way to, to to bring whoever you have around you down. And I don't want them attacking certain people in my family. It that would that gets an emotion out of me that mm -hmm. I don't have uh, often. You know what I mean? Yep. I think you throw rocks at the throne and not from it. And I think it's just very embarrassing and small of Jamal Adams to even take that kind of shot at another man. And that's that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, okay. Mm, that, that's all good perspective. I'm, as you can see, I'm setting up to probably take the other mm. position. You're backpedaling a lot right now. Yeah. Uh, thank you for complimenting no. all of our stances, uh, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, is it low? Absolutely. Is it cross the line? Mm, okay, that's 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 fine. But I, I don't what I disagree with is not that you bring somebody else's or even to criticize somebody's looks. I mean, if I'm being honest and we're we're not acting like we're new to this, 
I don't think Jamal Adams truly thinks that his wife was bad looking. And I've seen the picture. She's not a bad looking lady. But we understand what those insecurities play into people because you want to take a shot at me. I'm going to take a shot at you. And the fact that people think that when you take shots, like if he's analyzing the play, that's one thing to say. Yikes. You're, you're right, Joe. He's from New York. This was this was a shot at him to say, yeah, look what this guy is doing. And no, that wasn't given that context. But I actually don't agree that what you say about players is not personal. And this is someone who's in the media, and I talk about and criticize players, but I've also been in that seat that when somebody says something, this does affect my livelihood. Not like in a little way, not like in an indirect way. You know, and Jamal Adams is probably at that stage where I was at one point in my career that what the general sentiment is around my play could determine whether I'm making a living or not next year. So I get it that you say, oh, it's your athlete. It comes along with the territory. No, in my contract... It says I have to talk to media. It says I have to answer for what I do. It has says nothing that anybody can say what the hell they want about me on social media and me not respond. Is it in bad taste? Absolutely, it's in bad taste. Completely agree. But so so but you guys have heard much worse things, I'm sure, than somebody quote tweeting a play of yours that says yikes, right? Like you've heard way worse than that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It it all depends. I think there's also yeah. like the background of like whatever personal connection they have to one another. Or if it's somebody is constantly always saying how bad I've been in situations where there have been writers that would always write how I should be on the bubble and not be on the team. That affects me. Right. Not like in a personal like, oh, man, you don't think I'm good. But if you continue to bang that drum in the media, that becomes a sentiment. I do it every day. What I say on TV, I know that there's actual Things that happen beyond that. When we say that Mike McDaniel should be a head coach for the first time on this show, that catches fire and it moves on. And that does affect Mike McDaniel's current livelihood. And I only say that to say, like, I'm fine with you criticizing players or you saying people aren't good or what have you. Um, I'll give you another example. Grant Paulson is a uh, reporter, and he put on social media this week about how crazy of a play it was that Tyreek Hill scored on. And he said... I can't stress to you enough how terrible a throw this is from Tua Tungavailoa, right? Tyreek Hill quote tweets and says, actually, I ran the wrong route. And this was Tua throwing me to the position I was supposed to be in, but putting enough air on it that I could correct the mistake that I made. But the sentiment that Tua is so bad does play into what his livelihood and his future could be in Miami. Because that is the yeah, sentiment. Tyreek. Tyreek's response was, hey, this is it. This is what actually happened on the play. His exactly. response isn't, hey, let me go to your family. Because once you, just because you do something to me that you, you deem okay, that doesn't mean I can just respond however the hell I want to. And as you, if you get paid this amount of money, you have a responsibility for your brotherhood to not embarrass the organization you work for mm-hmm. and all it is. Now, you can respond to the man and you want to make fun of him. But when you bring his wife into the picture, you, sir, just slap me across my face. And now you give me the right to now. Can I respond to my wife's disrespect? Because that's a whole different uh, situation going on. And now we're talking about a whole different ball game. When we always preach on what domestic violence means, we preach on how important this stuff is, and we're gonna allow stuff like that. No, sir, you gotta sit down and watch your mouth. But when it comes to even regular people, you feel me? I, this is out of bounds. There's no way you can cut it. To me, I don't give a damn. What your explanation is, he is wrong and he could or should be seen about where I'm from. Mm. Oh, I like that. I like that. But I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you think about what I say and what I don't say. 
because I can say what the hell I want whenever my emotions put me in there. I'm not saying I agree with what Jamal Adams said, but the idea that what you say about somebody on a football field is not personal and I should be able to do whatever the hell I want and not have the context of football. Does Jamal Adams get beat for touchdowns? Yeah, he gets beat. Can you say yikes? Yes, this is social media. This is the world that we live in. But in the same way, like you guys said, these things also are said to us every single day. Does it make them right? No. But then to act like, hey, 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 I could say you suck. And that's, that shouldn't affect you because you get paid so much money. Like, no, it, it affects you. Wife. They're that's human. I'm I get it. If it's his kids, his dad, his brother, I get it. Yeah. It's a personal thing. This is somebody he cares and personal loves. Attack. That's why he did it. Because you hurt me, now let me hurt you. It's very clear. I, it wasn't I hope just he feels because. Good about so, it. So, so what we have to do? Clap for that? No, or, no. I, I don't care I don't what think... I think at all. I know you don't give a damn what I think, but I'm just asking you, like, what what emotion are we supposed to? I have think you caught that wrong, Juju. This? I think I think you thought I meant I don't give a damn what you oh, think, no, Juju. I caught, that's that. I caught it all the way wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, ain't gonna, I ain't gonna hold you. I'm, I, 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 I caught it. Yeah, no, that I was so respectful at every time you ever seen me. Yeah, but, yeah. That, hey, that was that was Jamal Adams. If I'm in this situation as a player, I'm saying <laughs> I don't care what the person thinks. Not we don't care what Juju thinks. But yeah, go we, ahead, we love what Juju thinks. We only we only care what Juju thinks. <laughs> what do you got? Joe? So uh, here, here's my thing. So I agree with what you're saying that I think the average person doesn't realize how much influence the media really does have on fans perceptions of players and how they're playing. And then the fans have influence over the management of those players, mm -hmm. the GM, the ownership and like wh what guys they pay, who they keep. It's not huge. Like if you're stinking, uh, they're not going to pay you a bunch of money just because the fans think you're playing great right? and vice versa. But on the margins, it does have influence. And so I, I can totally understand what you're saying about if people are going out and blasting you in the media or in social media, and especially if they're doing it incorrectly. And like in your uh, example with Tua, it wasn't his fault. He actually did the right thing, which was pretty high level and impressive. But you have somebody, this bozo out there that doesn't know what he's talking about, that's trying to highlight that. But I think Tyreek did it in the right way in correcting the record. Right. Whereas with what Jamal did, he only highlighted the fact that he made a humongous mistake in the game and that now everybody's jumping to the defense of the reporter rather yeah. than saying something to Jamal about, oh, yeah, you're right. This guy was just trying to stir the pot. He's a, a Jets reporter. And so obviously he's got a bone to pick with you because you didn't live up to expectations in New York. So he's trying to placate the fan base. No, but now all we're talking about is Jamal Adams is a dick for bringing right. this guy's wife into the situation. <laughs> and he's only made it worse for himself. So I can totally understand the idea of wanting to push back. And it happened to me once when I was in Cleveland, we had a reporter in Cleveland who wrote an article like week five or six of the season about how I had like four more penalties at that point in the season than I've ever had in, in any time in my career and how that meant that I was having a bad year. Um, and I confronted him in the locker room and I explained to him uh, as level-headedly as I possibly could that I was called for a couple penalties early in the year because our center didn't snap the ball correctly. So the, the ball doesn't come up on time. Everybody moves. They got to call somebody for a false start. So they give it to 73, the guy on the end of the line of scrimmage. That doesn't mean I did anything wrong. I was doing the right thing on that play, but I got right. called for a penalty. It goes into the stats. And this was sort of in the days before PF, uh, PFF. And so these reporters had no idea how somebody was playing. And, you know, as the person on the team that, you know, was the most visible, it was the easiest target when you're losing to, to, to pick, pick on me, right? Mm -hmm. That'll get your clicks. That'll get your people to read it. But I approached him in the locker room. I explained why he was wrong. 
And then he went back and sort of corrected the record. And then we were cool after that. And as a matter of fact, like then fans had a better understanding of the game. They had a deeper understanding of what goes on between the lines and inside the locker room. And I think that's the right way to approach it. And I'm totally with Juju though. Like it's way out of bounds to just bring somebody else's family or their wife into a situation. Yeah. It was a low blow to just say, yikes. It was not great reporting to just put that caption on a play that he missed. And it felt personal. There's no doubt about it, Mm -hmm. but the way you handle it from there leads to a different outcome. If you handle it the right way, like uh, Tyreek Hill did versus just going at somebody's family, because that's just always going to get you an L. I I would, I would take it even a step further, Joe, because I think, yeah, Tyreek Hill was handling a situation he wasn't involved in because he was, he was being painted as the better player. I think how Tua handled it is the way that we typically see athletes handle it and should handle it. You don't say anything. You kind of just right. let it go. But unfortunately, that You does, don't want to highlight it, right? You, as soon as you start making especially when it's uh, wrong. bones about it, you're just highlighting the fact that you got beat even more. Right. Like the last thing I want to do if I get beat for a sack is is to have somebody talk about it who is clearly not as famous as I am. Yeah. And then me, like go after him to highlight what he was saying about me getting beat. If I am if I am a marketing manager or a PR, I am on Jamal Adams' ass all week. Like, you dummy. <laughs> yes. Why would you do this or do that? The point I'm trying to make is not that he's okay to go at somebody's wife. Clearly, obviously, that's a bad mm. thing. Oh. But whenever you're doing, like, whenever somebody makes something personal, the instinct is not to just match where the level of personal you made it. It's to take it to another level. So the fact that in my mind, I can't understand how people don't realize that what you do say about athletes is indeed personal. Or when we do business together and you screw me out of a business deal, it's never just business. Do you understand this affects everything? Mm-hmm. And even to take it to a deeper level, the reason why I would get so upset at beat writers or media members that are pushing stuff that is not the case, this does affect my livelihood. It affects how my kids read this shit. My wife also reads the shit that you put out on the internet. My mom reads this. I have to field these calls. I am away from my kids doing X, Y, and Z because I'm trying to get better and make a living. And now you are doing something that is going in the opposition of that. So, yes, I will be emotional. I will act erratically. I may say some shit that ultimately is not the best thing to say. But I am telling you, my point is this shit is personal. I like it. It's a nuanced take. It's not exactly what I thought you were saying up front. Uh, I thought you were defending Jamal Adams, but your your point is very well taken, and I agree with it, and I don't like that I'm agreeing with you, Hawk, right now, so let's yeah. talk about something else because you're totally true. Everything you're saying is right. When they come at us for our performance, especially when it feels mean-spirited, which this felt mean-spirited because of Jamal Adams' association with the Jets previously, like you're trying to take bread out of my children's mouth by – dogging me which makes fans maybe potentially turn against me which influences my ability to get the next contract or stick around for the one that i'm in yes this is my probably favorite tomahawk conversation we've had so far we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to keep diving into more nfl news what's up everybody welcome back to the tomahawk show we had an incredible discussion to kick things off. Juju, his blood is still going, which is what I like. We got a little bit of soul going on here at the Tomahawk Show. Next one, we're going to keep those uh, emotions going because we got to talk about the Eagles' sideline activity that happened against the 49ers. As we know, the 49ers came out. They got their revenge against the Eagles. Now Brock Purdy is back in the lineup. Debo Samuel went crazy with three touchdowns. But within that game, 
there was an ejection of starting linebacker for the 49ers Greenlaw, who got a penalty for a late hit, and then there was a bit of a scrum on the sideline. That involved both Greenlaw and the head of security for the Philadelphia Eagles. The result was both of those, the player and the head of security, were kicked away from the game. There was a penalty enforced against the 49ers, but it did start the conversation about who was in the wrong there. So I'm going to start it with you, Joe. Did you see this interaction? And if you did, what is your position of who should be taking blame for what went on? I did see this interaction, and I completely agree with Kyle Shanahan's take after the game. Uh He was outraged because as players, when we're on that field, everything that happens between us is sacred. Like if Hawk gets in my face, I can get back in his face and I can match his intensity. If we're headbutting, if we're punching, if we're swinging, if we're fighting, Mm -hmm. like that's all part of the game. Yeah, there's penalties. There's, you know, you break the rules, you might get tossed, things like that. But there's an understanding that the people, the warriors that are on this field wearing this helmet are the ones that are allowed to battle. And those other people that are in the stands, those fans in the Coliseum, they're not allowed to touch any of the players on that field. That's the line that can't be crossed. And in this case, when you have somebody like Dom DeSandro, who's the chief of security for the Eagles, getting involved in a fracas on the field, that is completely over the line. And I think him and the Eagles need to be handled very, very seriously by the NFL because Like I mentioned, as a player, when I'm out on that field, I know that we can talk trash to the fans. They can talk back to me. It's part of the the thing that I loved about playing on the road. Same thing with the other team Mm -hmm. and maybe some of the support staff from the other team. But what can happen is we can't have people coming out of the field and acting like they're big stuff and that somehow because they're in the security force or a police officer that now they've gone through the same things that we've gone through as players to get the ability to go play on that field and to go battle as warriors against each other. And I think that it needs to get cut off. However, I did think it was interesting how the Eagles fans have really come to love this guy. Apparently he really embodies like the identity of Eagles fans. Uh, So I thought that was fun and you know, it was kind of cool, but I definitely think this is a line that cannot ever be crossed again. So I think that they should ban him from the sideline for the rest of the year. I think if if and beyond that, I think he has to be gone because if you look at the Tyreek Hill and the cameraman situation, which everybody saw, it was you're an employee. You know, Tyreek takes the phone, something the guy couldn't even you know uh, stop or intervene on. He did celebrate because that was his friend, and he got banned from NFL sidelines for this one to actually affect the game. You put yourself in a position a position where you're touching a player. Like, this is on you. I don't think he should have been penalized. I think if they did, it should have been both sides penalized for even doing it. Um, but whenever you involve yourself into what's going on in this very violent sport, you kind of get what what comes to you, in my opinion, Juju. No matter how cool you are, bro, you got an Italian flag, you cool as hell, I can see it, bro. But you got to get the hell up out of here, bro. You can't be you can't be energy, intervening, interjecting into player-on-player activities, especially the referee called the penalty. Like, what you in here for, bro? Like, we don't need your help. And I love the Eagles. But, yeah, bro, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bat an eye if they said, hey, bro, no more. You stay in, in the booth from now on. What do you got, Nat? Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why, like... This the, is biased, too. You're, I, will, I should This preference. is biased, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I, everyone here agrees with me, even the Eagles fans. So, uh, yeah, I don't understand. Like, we all know Dre Greenlaw is notorious for, like, unnecessary roughness penalties. We know mm-hmm. that. So I'm not surprised that he also got fired up when the 
freaking Sopranos on the sideline of the Eagles, uh, <laughs> Eagles sideline came at him. So yeah, no, I, I don't understand why he was even there. Like, where does he usually stand? Is he supposed to be standing like that close to the sideline when this stuff happens? Like it made no sense. And he got what he deserved. I'm, I'm, you know what? Team Dre Greenlaw. I don't and care. also like, I seen it written that, oh, he threw a punch. That was not a can punch it wasn't a pun like i hate i hate that people again you over first off why he feels like he has the authority to police what's going on in a football field is beyond me right whatever is going on in your mind to make you think you have that jurisdiction cool bro on top of that to when even the announcers the way they talked about it i'm not gonna lie it was pissing me off because they made it seem like drake greenlaw (laughs) just did something that oh you can never do like he touched his face to be like yo get the like what are you doing if yeah. he hauls right. off and tackles him because he put his hands on him, like then they're gonna make it seem like he's a he's a he's a murderer. When somebody I mean, okay, streaks, he, like you ever see when someone is streaking on a football field and then a football <laughs> player uh, does football on that streaker and they take him <laughs> and they, James they, they they suplex him, everybody <laughs> cheers. This is the same situation for me. If you get involved in the play that you're not supposed to be there, you are going to get football in a space where football is played, and I am okay with that. I mean, okay, so question. Did you guys have like a head of security that was like right there in the middle of everything when when you guys got into scuffles? Like, is that a thing? It's not, right? <laughs> no, like I was not. there. Like one was- of my pet peeves about college football is all these police officers that are always following the head coaches around. Like you see like University of Toledo State for the for the blind, <laughs> and they've a- got five police officers, state shot. troopers around this guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's 10 people in the stands watching the game, and I'm going. Why does he need so much police presence? Like there's no NFL coaches that I know of, except for apparently the Eagles that even have their own police officer on the field, much less their own head of security that just follows them around. Yeah. They have security. The Browns have security. Every team in the NFL has their own security detail that's in the stadium, but they realize that there's no need to have a guy, a bodyguard for your head coach walking around the field. If anything, you should have a bodyguard for your quarterback. He's easily the most valuable player in the entire franchise. And if he gets injured or kidnapped, and then we're in real trouble. But if the head coach gets kidnapped, just like we saw from John Harbaugh, it doesn't even matter on game day. The head coach is basically worthless. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I don't appreciate how Toledo somehow took a shot um, in, in, in <laughs> that example. Blind. Yeah, this Toledo State <laughs> for the blind. Uh, but at the same time, yes, I ultimately agree with exactly you're saying. Because, again, it's just our head of security, John Frayne, would, at, when we were at Cleveland, would have never – come in and, and and injected himself into what was going on between players on yeah, because an NFL know field. That's not his role. <laughs> okay, this is actually funny. Thanks to producer Jeff. Uh, Big Dom, actually, I, I saw an article. That's what they call him. Weird. Okay, I'm not but calling anyways, him Big Dom. His, his official title is Senior Advisor to the General Manager and Chief Security Officer. Like, what, okay. what, what even is that title? Yeah. Exactly. This to the general manager. That's a lot of zeros on his paycheck right there. <laughs> That's somebody's buddy on the payroll. And now you now your spot is blown up. Now we got to look into to what it is you actually do because you're acting like a club bouncer in the middle of a, yeah. of, a of a Sunday night football game, which is which is ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, on the field, the 49ers beat the Eagles ass. But the Eagles have been the premier team in the league. So I'm going to kick it back to you, Joe. Now we'll talk some kind of football in this discussion. Do you feel like this was the beginning of the end for the Eagles, or do you just feel like this was just a a speed bump on on their journey to the Super Bowl? 
Yeah, it's just a speed bump. And honestly, when you look at a lot of the championship teams, the teams that go on those runs in the playoffs, a lot of times have some hiccups during the season and it makes them better. Like going through that adversity brings you together as a team. It makes you hyper-focused on your weaknesses to be able to try to improve them before the playoffs start. And really, if anything, I think this will help the Eagles down the stretch. And the teams that I worry the most about that just coast through the regular season, uh, they win every game, they're always in first place because you're never challenging yourself to get better. And if you look at the beginning of the NFL season until the end of the NFL season, even the crappiest teams are getting significantly better because you're constantly looking yourself in the mirror and figuring out what we don't do well, because when you lose, the shit gets hard. It sucks. It hurts your stomach. You're looking for answers and you start to find them. You press, you make things hard on yourself and you get better. But when you win, there's this tendency to just kind of rest on your laurels and take it easy. So I think this is the best thing that could have happened for the Eagles. I don't mind it. I I I I think the fact that they've started, they've won, they've won these games typically in these scenarios where they battle back and these very close kind of, you know, games that people were like, man, this makes me nervous. It does build personality that you're going to need late in the season when you're going against really good teams and with playoff implications on the line. That being said, the 49ers look too damn good, bro. I mean, with Chase Young in there, with Debo healthy, they got positionless football going on on offense. They're basically like running a West Coast wing T hybrid of I Mike McDaniel is my man, 20 grand, love him. The 49ers are scary. And it's like, damn, they were when they're playing like that, I don't see a team that is going to step up and beat them. And that's just my opinion, Juju. Yeah, I this, I think the same is that same thing. The 49ers went healthy. I don't see I think the Harlem Globetrotters might give them a run if possible, <laughs> if anybody. The Dolphins are the only team from the AFC this year that I would want to see them play in the Super Bowl. I think that we will have that. I'm not gonna bet on it, but the 49ers are basically like so much better than every other team when healthy that I think Trent Williams, whenever he got hurt those two games, that was very big. And now that he's back, moral of the story is Super Bowl or bust. All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back and talk some college football and more NFL news. But first, real quick, Nat, who is your prediction for the Super Bowl winner this year? Who do you think it is? Okay, just making sure we're on the same page. We'll take a quick <laughs> break. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. Now we're going to talk a little bit of college football. The playoff teams were set for the college football playoff. They include the Michigan Wolverines. They include Alabama. They include Texas. And they include the Washington Huskies. Now, those are not in order as, as, as it pertains to rank. But... Everybody was up in arms because the uh, perfect season that the Florida State Seminoles had was not enough to get them into the college football playoff. Joe, I know you're going to have an opinion here. When you saw the teams that didn't make the playoffs when it came out, what was your reaction? So my first reaction was that mm, Washington does not deserve to be in the college football playoffs. Yes, they're undefeated. And I know mm. we've been brainwashed since the beginning of time by athletic directors and coaches that winning's the only thing that matters, right? Which in the NFL, when you play a bunch of common opponents, yes, that is the only thing that matters to determine who's the best team, because we can see you beat that team and this team beat that team and they beat you and it, the merry-go-round merry -go goes around. 
But in college football, where you have all these teams that don't play any common opponents or hardly any common opponents, it's really difficult to say who's any good. And in a, a situation like this, where you have multiple teams that are undefeated, it's impossible to say who are the best four teams in college football, other than looking at how did you look in those games that you played against other good opponents. And since there's no hardly any common opponents, it was pretty clear to anybody that watched a lot of college football this year that Georgia was the best team in college football all season long. So to go from number one in the rankings and to lose an SEC championship game that was very close against a good Alabama team who is now going to be going to the college football playoffs and to fall all the way from one to six because of that very close loss seems criminal to me. So the fact that Washington's in there after beating absolutely nobody who's any good because the Pac-12 just stinks, it's hardly even considered college football anymore because all the good teams are leaving and they're coming east to the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the conference is basically dissolving. This is actually, in my opinion, the fact that Florida State didn't make it is no big deal. The fact that Washington mm. did make it over Georgia, that's my biggest beef. And really, until you have adults in the room uh, at the NCAA <laughs> to get everybody to, together and to force these teams to play more competitive uh, schedules and more common opponents, you're always going to have this issue. But I guess in the end, I'll let you guys go. I'm sorry, I'm still all the talking points. But next year, <laughs> you got 12 teams anyway, well, so all this doesn't matter. Yeah, we don't mind your talking points because they're all bad. So we just let no, you go ahead and take all the bad ones out, and then we figure out where the real meat of the yeah, conversation perfect. is. Juju, what were your thoughts? Who, who do you think should be in the playoff? I think they got it almost right. I, I Look at that. Like, See? I get it. I get it, y'all. Florida State, they did their job, and it was sad that Jordan Travis went out. But come on, like I, I guess I'll be the one to say it. Without him, they tra I'm not gonna say trash. They're not the top four <laughs> material, in my opinion. Like you put Florida State out there against Georgia, any team, Alabama. Anyway, I don't think they would have got the job done with Jordan Travis. And then, like to Joe's point, Washington. I would like to see them have to go through the slalom of the SEC one mm -hmm. time. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think they got it as right as they could. I think Georgia definitely caught the bad end of the stick just because they lost one game to Nick Saban, and that's your, that's your punishment. You're out of here. But, yeah, man, I I agree with Joe. Yeah, all right, what do you got, Nat? Who do, who do you think got hosed in this situation? Or are you like Juju? You think that they nailed it. You think they're just batting a 1,000 there over at the college football playoff committee. No, I mean, well, first of all, I'm, I, like, don't follow college football that closely, but I – I feel like I don't understand it. Like this whole, how these teams get chosen and picked. Like I, I heard what FSU's coach said after, like, it feels like basically their whole season is Ill illegitimatized or I don't even know if that's a word, but like yeah, everything perfect. went to waste after, uh, if you're not able to kind of go for it all. And that's, I, I agree with that. Like, I feel like if you go undefeated or you're, you know, you do that well in the season, like, you should have a chance to yes. go for it all. But then again, I'm like looking at it from a naive outsider perspective because no. I'm not in the nitty gritty. I don't follow it. But yeah, I feel like FSU, you know, they should they should be there. No, but are, but I also heard that they're trying to sue. Like, they should. Is that even something you can do? I don't know. For defamation of character, because how how am I going to get recruits now if I go undefeated and I can't win a national championship at freaking Florida State or Washington? Joe, I think you're wrong, too. I think Nat is right. Naive fan or not co follow college football. That means you're logical because you understand they're undefeated. Why aren't they there? Otherwise, exactly. why the hell do we even have the rankings? 
I or agree. if What's it's all going to be on the players, like, oh, they don't have this player. Now you're telling me name, in, image, and likeness is the most important thing. So why the hell aren't you paying them? If you're yeah, not going to put them in there because the quarterback isn't there and the team right. is undefeated, then you should be paying the players because clearly they are what's driving the decisions. They matter. So you yeah. can't have your cake and eat it too. Well, don't bring NIL into this because oh, that's a different discussion. <laughs> and I agree with you completely on that. It's been criminal that – the NCAA has held the rights to these own players like likeness and image for generations, just because they're allowed to make more money if they own it than if the players own it. I mean, can you imagine any other employment in recorded history in recent history in America, where you just say, well, you know, I know you're a great piano tuner, but because you're in school right now, I own the rights to your ability to make money as a piano tuner or an organist or a singer or a plumber or whatever it is. It's just ridiculous. Um, but to your point, Hawk, and this is one that you hear a lot of people say is like, well, Washington did everything they possibly could. They won every game. Florida State, they did everything they possibly could. They won every game. And my whole point is they don't have any common opponents because they're all teethless, gutless, boneless <laughs> people that are in the NCAA and all these ADs that are making these schedules. And so they all, generally speaking, <laughs> always avoid playing hard games because they want to be undefeated so that they can have this argument of, well, we're undefeated, we should be in there, when in reality, they don't play common opponents. So how you win matters. It has to. It's like pool play in soccer or the World Cup. Like, you can't just win. You have to show when you're winning that you're better than the other teams that are potentially going to be undefeated. That's is, just the way the system is set up. And if you can't show in dominant fashion every single week on your way to an undefeated season, then you don't deserve to jump another team who's maybe had a much more difficult schedule, who has one tiny loss and blemish on their record. Because otherwise, we are rewarding easy schedules, which I think is what we want to get away from in order to save college football, which... I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the NFL has continued to increase in popularity and college football has become regional because everybody outside the SEC just doesn't care because nobody else has any chance to go and win a national championship. If that's the case, then they need to quantify how they're judging these style points. Make it more public so we can now add it up and say, oh, OK. They can't quantify it. How do you quantify what somebody I, looks like? They're that toothless. ain't got no teeth. That's no the teeth, point. No guts. That's the nothing. point. All right. Well, I think we indirectly all agree on that, but we did a great job of all coming at it from different angles. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to end with a little bit of Am I Tripping? Yes, y'all, and we don't stop. Welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. We're going to get into a little bit of Am I Tripping, where Nat will read a statement, give us some context, and ask Joe and I if she is tripping. These are all written by Nat herself, and these are her exact <laughs> opinions. As opposed to what people say typically on social media, these opinions are not mine. No, these are Nat's opinions. Nat, <laughs> take it away. All right. In an interview with RG3 on his podcast, RG3 and the Ones, Tyreek Hill shared that he had to leave Kansas City because he always felt like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey's side chick. Am I tripping <laughs> or did Tyreek Hill ruin what could have been the second greatest dynasty in football history? Joe, you take this one. Uh, no, I mean, this is just what happens when you have the best receiver in football and the best tight end in football and the best quarterback in football. Like you can't pay all those dudes. So one of them eventually is going to leave. I mean, they got two Super Bowls. It's not like they got nothing to show from it. And the only way they were going to be able to keep all those guys together is if Patrick Mahomes decided to take an even bigger haircut than he's taking right now. And that just wasn't going to happen. And I think maybe 
there's, as I'm saying this, maybe there's 1% of me that says, you know what, Tyreek wanted his own space to become the star and the show. And I think that's allowed him to help mature and grow a little bit with the Dolphins and help Tua in a big way, take some of the spotlight away from him. Um, so I, I just think this is natural because it's been best for all parties that are involved, even though it does rob the American viewer a little bit of a potential uh, even greater dynasty than what the Chiefs have right now. Yes, Nat, you are tripping completely. The only loser in this scenario that the way things have gone has been Patrick Mahomes because he doesn't have that weapon. Travis Kelsey jumped up because now he's officially the main guy there. He's dating Taylor Swift now. Um, Tyreek Hill proved that, oh, I'm not just Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid product. I am actually like that. Wes Welker's receiver coach who played with Randy Moss said that with all due respect to Randy Moss, Tyreek can run the whole route tree. And he's absolutely right. There's a real discussion to be had at the end of this. If, is Tyreek Hill better than Randy Moss? And I don't think you're crazy because what he means by that is if I told you, hey, Tyreek Hill scored a 60-yard touchdown on Sunday and you didn't see the game and you asked all four of us what we, what we envision in our mind, we'd have four different plays. If I said Randy Moss scored a 60-yard touchdown, we would all have the exact same play in our mind. And that is the evidence that Tyreek Hill has gone to a place now to make people have that real conversation to fully show how incredible of a player he is. Beautiful. That was beautiful, Thank you. brother. I'm in my bag Bravo, today, Juju. Brother. I'm in my bag <laughs> today, baby. All right, well, You we should be there. in the media business, Hawk. <laughs> you could really do that someday. Now, what do we got next? Okay, so Mike Evans has just eclipsed 1,000 yards for this season <clears> against <throat> the Panthers. He's had 1,000 yards every year of his career, 10 seasons, with QBs like Johnny Manziel, Josh McCown, and Baker Mayfield. Only Jerry Rice has had more 1,000-yard seasons with 14. Am I tripping, or will Canton be calling Mike Evans' name when he retires? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, you're, you're not tripping. That, that, that's an easy one. I think the, the question around Mike Evans should be, why do we disrespect him so much? We see these top receiver lists year in and year out, and really – I think when you look back in history, we're going to be like, oh, damn, it was Mike Evans the whole time. And for whatever reason, he never gets that respect. No matter who he plays with, he's always consistent. He's always the best, Joe. And, and yeah, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he'll be a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he'll be first ballot. Depends on how much more he plays. But my question to you is, in his generation, where does he stack up against all the other receivers? I think he will be one. I, I like Number listen, one. 10 years, 10 1,000-yard seasons. Listen, he's not – when you watch him – this one count double. This one count for 2,000 because Baker Mayfield throwing the ball. <laughs> oh, uh, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and, I, and I think, like, honestly, there is something to that, Juju, because when he was in college and we're like, oh, Johnny football, Johnny football, we didn't take into account that it could have been Mike Evans making Johnny football look better than what he was. And no matter who has been his quarterback from – you know, Jameis to Josh McCown to Baker Mayfield to Johnny Manziel, he has been the consistent player. Like, you can't stop what he does. It's just that nothing he does is super sexy. He's not the fastest. He doesn't come across the fastest. He is fast. He's not the quickest. He doesn't come across as the quickest. He is quick. He's big. He goes up tall. And I think he'll have a 1,000 yards, like, for the next four to five years. And then you'll have to look back and say, yeah, okay, well, then maybe he was wide receiver one. Who has done it? as high of a level for as long as he has? And the answer is no one. What do you got next, Nat? <laughs> okay. <laughs> At the end of the college football and NFL, as the end of the college football and NFL season nears, all eyes are on the future of Michigan head coach, John, Jim Harbaugh. 
Recent reports have said that Harbaugh has been in conversation with the Chicago Bears in the event that they fire Matt Eberflus. My trippin, or do college coaches always fail upward? Mm. Joe, you're a Big Ten uh, uh, expert mm. here. I'm going to give this to you. No, the only thing I'll say is that until Jim Harbaugh takes a an NFL job, he's always going to be connected to every job, right? Because he's had a lot of success everywhere he's gone. He had success in the NFL. He always seems to not last a whole long time at each stop, although he's been at Michigan for a while, which is probably why people are saying, hey, he's probably wearing people thin because he's just super competitive. And, you know, a lot of people that know him are just, they, they call him, in a nice way, kind of weird. Like he's just, he's so into football. He loves football so much. He's so competitive with everything. Like he's sitting at the table and he's competing over how many sandwiches he can eat for lunch. Like it just wears people out after a while. And I think he's always looking for that next challenge. And so like when the Raiders fired their head coach earlier in the season, like, Oh, it's Jim Harbaugh. Now when the bears fire Matt Eberflus, it's, oh, it's Jim Harbaugh. So I think until he takes that NFL job, you're just going to hear his name thrown out there every single time because of the success that he's had at every place that he's been. Yeah, and and fail upward. And I know you didn't actually write this, Nat. I should make that <laughs> that very clear to to our listening audience. Um, but they're undefeated. They got a chance to win the national championship in in 2009 or 2008. I was a coach at Toledo, and we went to Michigan at the Big House and beat them 13 to 10. I mean respect to my organization and my my school and my alma mater but that was a pretty low point for Michigan Wolverines I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you so to see that they are back contending for national championships does prove that you know hey he must know what he's doing so and the 49ers before Kyle Shanahan they couldn't figure it out since he since he left there um now brother I think you're looking at it wrong that was the peak of Toledo football. Hey, I like that. By the kid Hawk. <laughs> there you go. I like that. I like that, Juju. Uh, all right. I think that does it for this episode of Tomahawk. Before we go, um, I think it's it's only right that we as a as a group here sing Joe a happy birthday oh, to end this how about episode. That, guys? How about that? Here we go. This is all remote. And, and anything you try to do in unison and remote is always terrible. We're gonna try oh, here. This will be great. Here we go. This is gonna give us a real view of what the technology is like here at Metal Lark Media. Here we go, baby. Here we go. Three, two, one. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Joe. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Happy birthday to you. Happy. All right. That was as bad as I thought it would be. Um, very good testing for the lab. Very beautiful. Joe, what are you doing for your birthday? We got one minute. I'm eating some leftovers and uh, trying to climb into bed early tonight to get some sleep. Um, you know, the great thing about being old is people forget about you. So when you screw up, they don't notice anymore. When you're laying on the couch, you're snoring. They don't bother you. Uh, but the downside is when it's your birthday, they don't even remember. So I'm going to hopefully <laughs> remind my kids when they get home from school, it's my birthday. They're going to continue to run outside and go play with their friends. And we're going to come inside and eat leftover burgers. What do you get for your birthday? Like what gifts do you get? Uh, well, my daughter just came in in the middle of our show. I don't know if you guys heard her in the break. And she dropped off my birthday present. She did say thank you, but she stole the keyboard from my wife's computer and gave it to me as a birthday present. So she did deliver my first birthday present of the day, which uh, apparently it's the best because it's the only one so far. There you go. It's more like a Robin Hood, too, like steal from, you know, people <laughs> who right. have and steal from 
and give to the ones who don't. The rich and give to the other rich. <laughs> Step from the rich and give to the rich. All right. Well, that does it for this episode of the Tomahawk. Shout out to all the Tomahawk. Make sure you check us out on the Lebertard Show YouTube page or at 4 p.m. on Wednesdays on the DraftKings Network. We are here every week, same time, same place. Subscribe, like, anywhere you get your podcast. That way you never miss an episode. Uh, without further ado, Joe, take us out. Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs> <laughs>